Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Hello everyone, another Tuesday tune-in um, on what's been a crazy morning of wet weather here uh, in Wales. I'm not sure what's been like with you guys. Um, but yeah, if you have joined us, do say hello. As always, uh, I can see Shona, Laura, Kelly, Jane, Tina, Bry, Ramona, Amanda, James, Julie. Wow, this is like like poetry there. Kind of flowed like quite yeah, nicely. That, yeah. uh, that's James Ashley and Julie, not James <laughs> Julie. <laughs> yeah, they sounded similar. Um, but yeah, nice to nice to see so many people on today. <clears throat> um, and yeah, so today, guys, is is all about all about water essentially. Um, I know uh, maybe some of you have seen Dave's post today or the email. It was around um national water saving day um it wasn't really dave's fault but dave uh it's not today mm. is it no it's not it's next week but <laughs> you know all the water could be gone by then so exactly. we've decided there's no time like the present so we're gonna talk about it today and then next week we can have national water day because we saved it <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, that's our plan but, exactly um, right exactly yeah, we're, we're no, it, yeah to be fair i i could have checked but I just took it as red. I was like, yeah, it's, it's not even National Water Saving Day. It's, it's Water Saving Week. A week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and it doesn't start till tomorrow. <clears throat> but I figured, you know, there's no time like the present, so we'll talk about it. It's been billions of gallons of water have been falling out of the sky for a solid week in Wales now. So it's, um, <laughs> it's let's just get this over and done with and go back to the good weather next week, I think. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's certainly been a bit mixed, is not it? Um, yeah, I don't want to sound like we're uh, like the six o'clock weather forecast here, but... Um, yeah, it was it was some cool conditions over the weekend. Uh, on Friday, I was lucky to be in North Wales, and there was some lovely winter conditions up there, plenty of snow, which was fantastic. Um, I've seen some pictures from up in Scotland as well, uh, near the Cairngorms, which looked pretty epic. Very jealous, because I think the, the snow was was above the knees. Um, you know, that's some deep stuff, especially in May. But, uh, yeah, so, so you know, we, we've been discussing things around water. Obviously, water that freezes is ice which, as Dave said earlier, um, is very beautiful. And, you know, we thought we'd talk about that today. Um, Dave, where should we start? I know we've, we've talked a little bit off, off, off live around, obviously, the water filters, uh, around saving water, yeah, um, different things. But where, where do you want to start today, mate? So I think the well, we're always going to talk about these water filters because, obviously, many of you already know about it, many of you might not, yeah. um, but we do... You know, water is pretty much it comes up, I think, on every live. So we thought, you know what, we're going to do a live about it because yeah. there's so many different factors of a trip that are affected by uh, water, where it comes from, what state it's in. Um, and it's quite it's quite interesting to break it down because I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, you know, showers, we discussed about water. Um, you drink in water, we discuss water. Gokio Lake, we discuss because it's water. Um, the Patagonia Ice Fields Trek, um, we need that water to stay there and stay frozen. Um, for that to run, you know, so 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 water. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's so many different things that we that we think about and um you know keep yeah, and it's important for us to keep an eye on. Yeah. I yeah. think the one thing we wanna we wanna start thinking about um and start making a concerted effort for is the conservation of it and also the um sort of the the waste that can go into sort of bringing water to places like the Kumbu particularly yeah. um, because there are places that sell it all the way up to Everest Base Camp which means that it's very very easy um, and convenient just to buy bottled water whenever you want it 
Um, but then the majority of people, there's a tendency to just throw those bottles in the bins that are provided. But that means, by and large, that bottle arrives in the kumbu, it yeah. gets drunk in the kumbu, and then it gets left in the kumbu, and it's up to someone else to bring it down. Um, so it all costs money, it creates litter, and and it, um, you know, there's a plastic bottle on a glacier where there otherwise wouldn't be. So we want to try and avoid that as much as possible by bringing in the water filters. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the big things that we really super proud of. Um, and a little bit gutted that so many of you, obviously, because of COVID, haven't been able to experience how great these water filters are on the trips mm -hmm. um, because they are magnificent. You know, it means that we get all our water from local um, water sources like flowing water in the region, whether that be from uh, a river, a glacial runoff or a tap. I'm assuming the tap is connected to a glacier somewhere. <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> and, so, um, somewhere it's connected to a water source, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that just means that, you know, so aside from one destination on the Everest Base Camp trip, uh, trip all of the water that you guys drink, everything in the in the, in the the bottles that you bring with you, like the, you know, the Nalgene's or whatever, to what's in your bladder, uh, multiple times a day, it's filled up from a local source, it's drank and it's peed back out. And then it's like there's equilibrium and no waste. So yeah, we absolutely <laughs> love that. Nice, Dave. I think um something what you, you you said there as well is around the conservation of it. And I think one thing we've noticed um uh, even over the uh, literally five years now since since Evertrek was formed, around how much it's changed with the glaciers as well. Like uh, going up there the first time, Dave, uh, I remember you saying that you literally walked on to the glacier or yeah. the Kumbu Glacier Everest Base Camp. And then, uh, you know, the last time we we went, uh, I believe you, the last time you went was was it October, twenty nineteen. Um, yeah, see, crazy that's. I know. I should have done it another. <laughs> I, I think there's another three trips that were going to happen mm. to Nepal um, since October. Yeah, but I was there on October uh, Everest Base Camp, October thirty first, twenty nineteen. That that's was the right. last. That was my last visit. And I remember you telling me that um, uh, you know instead of sort of walking onto it, you it was almost a hundred meters lower, right? Yeah, um, yeah. you're walking down to it which is is surreal and that's such a, a small a small time scale that it's actually yeah. you know constricting that much and you know you can see it in real time um well, which is shocking really you know i mean I, obviously we uh, like like you guys we watch documentaries you know we read up on these we do the research around um you know obviously climate change and it's, it's obviously happening in real time unfortunately um which is in some ways, you know, a lot of you on here I know have already been to Everest Base Camp. Some of you haven't yet. I can't wait for you to see it. Um, you know, as ready and waiting for, for when we're allowed to, to go out there. Um, the same as, as, say, the glaciers on Killy. Obviously, they've receded a little bit. Um, when yeah. we were on there, Dave, I mean, it's, you know, even though it's receded, there's a hell of a lot of ice up there, wasn't it? I was surprised. Like, wow. Yeah, that, that's the that's the, fu the funny thing. I think only if you go to these places repeatedly do you get, like, a comparison year on year. Um, because I remember when I first went to Everest Base Camp was, um, what was it, October 2016, I think was my first ever trip. And those of you that have been to Everest Base Camp know that the, the trek from Gorek Shep to Base Camp pretty much is on the edge of the glacier. Um, and I remember there was almost no elevation change from that path that leads to Base Camp. It was a little bit down, but not yeah. much at all. Um, and then I went back the, um, just a year later um and the dip you know you had to go down maybe like 20 30 meters down that trail to get actually to to the base camp cairn if you will and then if you you know fast forward that again you i went every year up until 2019 
and yeah it's like it's like 100 meter down now it's it's a huge drop yeah um and yeah, i was talking it? to our guide nima who's been guiding on um trevor's base camp for over 30 years you know he's been to yeah i asked him how many times he's been to base camp and he he, he stopped counting at around 300 times yeah <laughs> you know he has no idea but what he, he was on everest in 96 right he was an Everest in '96, yeah. So he um, he went up to so he was on Everest and was uh, portering and guy uh, portering up to I think he made Camp Four, yeah. Um, and then he the, the, his team that he was with then, not one of the teams you would have perhaps heard of, actually retreated down um, because of the threat of bad weather. And it was actually after '96 that he said he was no longer going to climb Everest. Um, he was going to stick to trekking and doing the smaller peaks like Island Peak. He was he, he said uh, he had his he, he sort of got to Camp Four. And he saw what happened in '96, and you can imagine how that would. Yeah, that must that must be. But um, if, if anyone, we're talking about '96 because it was the uh, the Everest disaster. Um, I don't know if you've seen the the film Everest. Uh, I know we've talked about it a lot of times, and also the book Into Thin Air, which you know was one of the inspirations for for me to go to Nepal and then in in turn start the company. So yeah, although um, uh, not a great situation, it was something positive to come out of it. But anyway, the yeah. uh, I, I digress. Sorry, Dave. I know you were. No, no, but yeah, I mean, the the one thing that he said was because I remarked on how the glacier had changed just from 2016. Yeah. He told me that like 20, 30 years ago, the icefall and that you know brilliant white, you know, typical like in your mind's eye what a glacier yeah, looks yeah, yeah. like was all the way down to Gorakshep. Um, but then if you go there now, obviously it looks, like, it looks like the surface of the moon, um, yeah. where landslides have been landing on the ice from the size of the glacier, <clears> and actually there's not much ice being pushed from the icefall now to be replace it. And I've even heard talking about water. There's running water now as high as Camp Two on Everest, yeah, which, there, which there wasn't sort of ten years ago. It was all frozen solid. So yeah, um, yeah it it all it all kind of goes into this conservation of sort of um, I suppose it's climate change and stuff like that really. But yeah. conservation of water is an important factor that goes into that. I think um, uh, one thing it does remind us that we, we we've all got to do our part um, if we can, <clears throat> you know, and, and motivated to to do what we can. Essentially, I mean, um, I know I've, I've spoken about this a couple of times, but we had our uh, Evertrek climate plan, um, which we released uh, about six seven weeks ago now about just some things that we're looking to do over the next twelve months and then work towards twenty thirty by reducing um, our carbon carbon emissions uh, by fifty five percent by that time, which is you know, I mean. We'd like to aim for more than that, but um, you know us and over other other hundred travel companies and suppliers um, have committed to doing that. And you know, the more companies we get on there, the better. Um, you know, if you're linked to any sort of company at all, um, uh, do uh, sort of Google declare a climate emergency and share that with with other companies. Because the more people, more companies we get on there, uh, we'll have a bigger impact. Yeah. Um, you know, although we don't want to be emailing all of our uh, all the other event travel companies out there, we have tried to sort of forward it a little bit um, and persuade some of our partners to do the same. Um, yeah, because I think the more we can do, um, the sooner we do it. Obviously, we're protecting these places, um, you know. And what it does come, you know, when, it, when we come back to water um, and how important it is. I mean, you know, I've seen a couple of comments come through. Uh, I, I love Bry's uh, save water, drink beer. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um, <laughs> not on the way up, though, Bry, on the way down, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> but on the way up, obviously, drinking water is vital in terms of hydration, in terms of altitude. Um, and I've, I know I go on the, go on about this all the time, but n ninety nine times out of hundred, any altitude issue, um, 
you know, altitude sickness can normally go back to hydration. So yeah. if you get water right, um, you know, you, you're going to, you're, you're there, you're all already there. Like, you know, you can get unlucky, of course. Um, but it's so important drinking, uh, you know, drinking enough water, you know, three, four, five liters a day, making sure you're hydrated, especially if you're on Diamox because you're going to be peeing more. So you yeah. need to be drinking more water. Um, you know, and there's a couple of questions that come through. I think it was actually from Jerome. And Jerome, I hope the vaccination went well. And thanks for joining <laughs> us, mate. Um, you put, do we buy bottled water on the trail, support the local trade, or do we not buy plastic bottles? Um, and yes, so <clears throat> we do not buy plastic bottles anymore. Um, some people have been with us historically before we introduced water filters and we only had chlorine tablets. Um, yeah, yeah. We, you know, I've bought plastic bottles, Dave has, you know, a lot yeah. of people have. But in March um, 2019 is when we introduced those water filters. And then we encourage everyone then not to buy plastic bottles uh, unless it's last resort. The, the yeah. only, especially in Nepal now, the only difference would be in Gorax yet because there's no water source there essentially or, or decent water source. I know you're not a million miles away from the glacier, but still, we still recommend that would be the only place that we kind of say buy, buy bottled water. You know, yeah. we don't want to pressure anyone either. You know, if, if you want to buy bottled water because you want different, like it's completely up to you. But this is just, um, you know, something that we're working towards. And yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You know, and use the water filters and the water you're provided rather than the plastic bottles. Exactly. And it's not, you know, it's not a, no one's after sort of perfection. You know, you don't have to be Captain Planet, um, <laughs> but you want to want to strive to be. Captain so Planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So where there's Brilliant. no, like, it's not um, necessary to buy, to buy the water anymore. And there are lots of other things that you can do to support the local trade. One, just by going there, you yeah. know, so just by turning up <laughs> and, you know, booking and using the lodges and stuff like that, that, to be fair, we organize it all, but that's that's everything they need plus the meals. Um, so the room and the meals is really their bre their bread and butter. And then there's also like you know you can buy some chocolate bars, some snacks, and things like that. So yeah. you know the water is not the be all and end all, um, but you know it could be the be all and end all for the uh, environment. So you know that that we're happy to sort of you know um, you know adopt the adopt the filters, use the water, and the guides yeah. and everything like that. They're all super happy. And actually, there is a thought in the Kumbu um, anyway about you know they've banned single use plastics and stuff, yeah. but you will still see them making their way there. Um, so the the general consensus is amongst everyone in the Kumbu is that it's it's better for them and better for everybody if uh, another way is found. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and and you made a good point there about um, Captain Planet. Or being a hero, like, you know, uh, none of us are perfect, uh, me included. You know, I still, there's things I do that, um, uh, you know, in my, my personal life, maybe that I could change. Um, and I'm probably, I'm working towards changing. And, you know, but if you can do something as soon as you can and, and make some changes, especially when you're out there, you know, you don't have to be 100% perfect, but doing something is better than doing nothing. Um, you know, and, and and that's how we, that's how we, the angle we take. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully we can show you, how it's helping and how it's working like the first season um you know that we 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 brought these water filters in it, it stopped 16 and a half thousand plastic bottles from being bought um and stacking those on top of each other if you were to do that was uh, five times the height of ben nevis so in terms of amount of plastic that was considerable um you know just to put that into context a little bit and that was just one season um you know we've, we haven't had many seasons since because i know of, yeah, that's the, that's uh, the thing you know old uncle covid turned up and decided that um the best way to avoid bringing plastic to the kumbu was to avoid <laughs> was to avoid anything going there i mean i know some people are out there now but um 
yeah that's another story with, yeah that's another that's <laughs> another live that one yeah maybe that's another live maybe uh, next year mad, but mad. um no it is it is interesting and and you know it's in you know it's important part of the um like you said yeah. the acclimatization as well it is so key you know that um any time i've ever seen anyone suffer with like uh, altitude sickness or suffering any of the symptoms the first thing the guides any medic a doctor anybody will ask you is what have you drunk in the last 24 hours how much have you drunk yeah almost always they'll say a liter or a liter and a half which is not enough you know yeah. Um, because what we always say is like when you go up to altitude, even without Diamox, you'll start noticing you'll be peeing more. That's your body acclimatizing. Um, and it's all part of the process. So it's not just exercise and stuff like that. You know, you have to do it. Um, one thing I always do as well, like just going on to about the saving water is I'll avoid having a shower for the whole trip as well, you know, <laughs> and just bring like, um, you know, some of those, what they call them biodisposable, like wet wipes and stuff like that. Um, yeah you were talking about before dave weren't you about like obviously saving because we're talking about saving water and hey marky v's just joined on his vaccination jobby today hope it goes well dave you were talking about limiting showers using wet wipes that dispose and you obviously you can get the yeah well i don't i don't i don't don't use the showers on the trips i have done it's but it's it's more effort than it's worth it's cold Mm -hmm. you run the risk of like getting like a head cold or a chest cold or something and yeah so no, I, I I don't. Generally speaking, I just get the well. They, you can buy these biodisposable wet wipes, and if you use them, you can use them for everything. So they do go a long way. Um, you know, you can like wash your body with them, you can wash your kit with them, you can wash everything with them and stuff like that. Um, and then I have a little like dry sack that I then stuff the used ones in and just zip them up. And then when I get back to Kathmandu, then I just get rid of them. Um, but you know, most yeah. people only have about one or two showers anyway. So it's really making little difference. And it's the only, the biggest difference is like, you feel good, but with the wet yeah, ones. Yeah, that's, like yeah, that, your it's, mind, it's good for your mind, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, it is. But it's also cold, man. It's like, <laughs> I remember the, the last shower I had in the in the in my base camp trip, which when I decided, right, that's it, I'm done, was um, it was in Dingboche in April when we were there. And, and I thought, I'm going to have a shower. And I was walking out the shower and it started snowing. And I, I just took me, it took me like hours to warm back up again. Yeah. Um, and I realized then, yeah, that was, a, that, was a, that was a silly idea. No, never again. Never it's, again. Um, I'll, I'll just smell. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think you thing is though that that smell doesn't exactly stand out because everyone's in the same. Boat. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So after a while, I mean, I'm quite lucky because I've, I've got a nose issue. I can't really smell. Um, soon to be rectified, but um, I'm quite lucky when I'm in uh, when I'm in like say there's 20, 30 people in the trekking house or tea house or lodge. Um, I can't smell anyone, and, and I can tell you it does, and it's bad. Um, especially after several days in the mountains and no showers, but that's part of the um, that's part of the adventure. That's you know, yep. it's it's not Disneyland. It's you know, it's adventure travel. I just noticed um, Leah's just googled Captain Planet. Do they not have Captain Planet in Australia? I mean, I, to, to be honest, I think I might be sh- like anyone sort of younger than me will probably not even realise who Captain Planet is. Yeah, but um, yeah, there was like, what, Captain four, America. Four, is four five version. friends, weren't it? Four five friends. They all had rings. And the rings did. So what would happen is the story would be some bad environmental catastrophe would happen. They would fight it on their own with some success using their individual powers with the rings. But then it would become too difficult. So when their powers combine, they call Captain Planet. He's our hero. He's going to bring pollution back to zero, right? I'd say that was a hell of a metaphor there, mate. Mate, they did all the work. They did all the work. You know, they, 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 this was in the eighties, man. This was in the eighties. They knew what was coming. Yeah. Um, Mad, but yeah, 
you think, yeah, you so think Jane, they would have done Jane, something Jane's Jane's got it in her head. Yeah, that is he, Captain Planet. See, that's <laughs> going to be the worst. Ramona also advocating, um, you know, uh, uh, saving water by sharing with a friend. Um, I suppose it depends who you're sort of in bunking yeah. with. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Dave, we, we keep ours separate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good man. Well, right, um, Dave, what's the kind of next thing then? I know we talked about, okay, so we talked about water, trekking at altitude, sustainable, um, you know, sustainability around uh, obviously not using plastic bottles. What about the places there, like the lakes? I know we've, we've talked about it, obviously, in the Everest region, but what about the others? I know one trip in particular in Peru we've been talking about the last sort of week or so, haven't we? That's it. Yeah. So whilst, whilst we're on the subject of water. Yeah. So um, one of the um, so recently just just it's it's box fresh. Um, so we've launched Lake, uh, Lake Titicaca. Um, so there's a lovely little sort of like four day itinerary there, which you can add on to the, um, the Machu Picchu trip. I know some of you are asking about it as well. Yeah. Um, so we looked into it and it is actually really interesting. Um, initially, I just I, I even I honestly just thought it's a lake. You know how fun going to be, but it's actually fantastic. Like you go out on the water and you can meet the um, the Uros people. I, hopefully, I pronounced that right. Where they make these man-made islands out of reeds harvested from Lake Titicaca, and they basically live there. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's awesome. So I just got distracted by Joel uh, Palmer asking, "Can you wash with reed? You can wash with any liquid. Mate. You can wash with any liquid. It's about whether or not you want to. <laughs> you know, wow. um, and I think it's best if you use your own." um but yeah but no back to lake titicaca yeah it is amazing like you, you do get to go to these like man-made islands and um actually stay with the indigenous families there as well so you'll have like a host family that'll you know you, you'll get to know and do some stuff like that so we've really tried to turn it into uh like um you know a really enriching type of trip as well it's not just going to take pictures of a pretty lake um, well, yeah so, i mean because yeah. this is one thing we we always were always keen keen for and i think um laurel fee who's on the comments have posted a little link there. Um, you know, it is, we always like to try and keep, uh, you know, our trips, um, you know, challenging, edgy, uh, you know, rugged, um, you know, difficult, because that's the type of trips we do. But that being said, if you're in Peru and there's other things to do, yeah, go for it. And, uh, you know, it's also the world's highest navigable lake, isn't it, Dave? Uh, so it's yep. not, not, not technically the world's highest, uh, the world's highest lake, but the world's highest lake that you can navigate around. So sail. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it sounds pretty cool. So yeah, it's, it's something that we, um, you know, we're always looking at new things in, in the countries we now operate. Obviously, South America is relatively new for us um, yeah. in terms of trips. Um, you know, so we're always looking at new kind of things, especially, um, you know, myself with my, my scuba diving background is, is I'd like to do some add-ons around the Galapagos Islands. If you're in that neck of the woods, why not? You know, if you're climbing some mountains and you want to do four or five days, relax, you know, after it. Um, you know, similar to what we do in Tanzania, we can go down to Zanzibar and chill out for a few days on a beach. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we like to sort of bring that in as well, um, you know, in South America. So, yeah, there'll definitely be some other kind of trips that we'll we'll look to add on, um, uh, you know, as soon as we can uh, with all the other stuff that we're doing as well. Yeah. Um, like, Dave, I, I mean, we've had some questions, but something I want to talk about before we go into that is that obviously current situation. You know, you can't get around that it's, uh, at the moment. Um, you know, red list, green list, amber, all this stuff. And, um, you know, clear, it's obviously very uh, challenging out there right now. Um, I did couldn't believe that, you know, we're here in, in May 21 and March last year. It was, um, you know, with what happened and things come down. I didn't realize that we'd still be having to reschedule, having to change dates, all that stuff. 
Um, you know, I appreciate everyone's patience around that because, you know, uh, I, like you, want to get back to to the mountains. So, yeah, w- with that in mind, obviously, it's challenging for all of our team, um, you know, in countries. You know, you've got Nepal um, and, and Tanzania, the two countries we kind of work closely with, um, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. So, you know, with those people, they're very not that the others aren't, but because, you know, because they're kind of brand new. But, you know, with Nepal and Tanzania, you know, we got very close relationships with the team in each of those countries. And, you know, we've helped Nepal a couple of times um, already. We had the the Jackets for Guides um, little fundraiser we did, which is fantastic. And I really thank everyone who got involved with that. We also did um, uh, some fundraising right at the beginning. And I think we raised about $5,000 that went over to Nepal. But now it's continuing, you know, and, and, and the people are still struggling at the end of the day. Guides, team, staff. Uh, obviously in the UK, we're all good, but, um, you know, we wanted to do something else to kind of support our team in those countries. So we came up with, um, well, kind of joint team effort, but uh, Dave came up with his name, actually, which I thought it was good. Strides for Guides is going to be something that we're going to be doing in June. Uh, Dave, great name, love it. Um, essentially, I mean, we, we'll obviously release this and launch this, but I wanted to give you kind of a little sneak, um, sneak preview um, of Strides for Guides is that basically we're going to be doing some trekking in June. Um, we're thinking around about sort of 100 kilometers each. Um, you know, we're going to link it up to Strava. We're going to get all that stuff uh, that we can. We're going to map it all out for you. I say it's going to be launching in June, but I wanted to give you all a little um, little intro. And then basically try and raise some money for for the for, uh, for Tanzania and for Nepal. Um, we're going to aim to, say, get to about £10,000. Um, and, you know, we, we really want to, to obviously get our community involved in that. So you can get out there and you can do some trekking in June, try and get to, you know, aim for 100K, um, you know, 100 kilometers. And uh, obviously whilst raising money and, you know, all that money then it's going to go to a good place, um, you know, similar to before. So, um, yeah, so Strides for Guides is, is what we're going to be doing. Uh, really excited um, about that. And it's um, <laughs> Mark, but it's supporters for porters. You know what? That name did come up, but unfortunately, it's not just about the porters. It's about all the team. Um, that's why we, we came up with Strides for Guides. But uh, yeah, we'll be releasing all the nitty gritty details uh, in due course. But I just wanted to, to kind of put that out there. Um, there's a lot of you big part of the community, people on here already. Um, I know a lot of you are out there training anyway, and it's a great way to get out, do some training, do some trekking while supporting the team. Um, <laughs> Shona just put, was it, uh, Diane will probably do 100K in one day. I said, well, she could do it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, something um, something around that is going to be great anyway. So uh, yeah, Dave, um, well done for coming up with the name. You're welcome, mate. That's me. I'm just like a Pez dispenser for catchphrases, you know? <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, it's it's really exciting. It's good. Unfortunately, I'll be taking more of a um, administrative role in the entire process. Um, a hundred yeah. kilometers is um, far beyond my capabilities at the moment. A hundred steps, maybe I could probably manage. <laughs> um, well, mate, everyone's Everest is different, right? And uh, yeah, we'll, yeah, exactly. We'll work yeah. Out your your version of it. Exactly. My my Everest is getting from the canteen back to the office. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's pretty much it for me. Um, but yeah, no, that yeah, it, it's going to be fantastic as well. And and obviously, you know, the the situation keeps developing and developing and developing. Yeah. And you know, it, it's one of those where you, you think it's down and it gets back up again. And eventually, I think we will have it under control and have our foot on its neck. But COVID at the moment, obviously, is wreaking havoc. So not, you know, I think we're quite lucky. The UK's you know doing a good job of keeping on top of it. But obviously, India and Nepal and places like that are struggling, yeah. and 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 also Tanzania. So yeah, awesome. 
I'm yeah, excited to see great. what you guys can do <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from the comfort exactly. of wonder, my office. I wonder how much that we can, uh, you know, how much, what's, what, what sort of distance as, as, a, as a community we can come up with. That'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We'll start um, together. We'll work out been, at the end. I have been keeping a close eye on the comments, and there does seem to be a lot of conversation about whether you can or can't wash with pee. Apparently, there's camel pee is great for hair. That was Joel that came up with that, wasn't it, Joel? I'm wondering, <laughs> great, great for hair, how? Like, re, like, will it help regrow bald hair? Is it like a tonic for like for for like bald heads, or is it like just for keeping your hair thick and healthy? Either way, I'm just gonna probably stick to some Alberto balm or something you know something like that um yeah no yeah i i honestly think that there's uh, unless you know something like drastic happens on one of our trips you yeah. probably won't end up drinking your own pee um you know unless you have a you know prior interest <laughs> but nice. um one question ramona's asked question green water off the glacier going to ebc i read that yeah, yeah always assumed it was because glacier squeezes out the oxygen someone pointed out that it would be h2 um i actually have i don't really know that to be honest i'll look it up um i've never seen green glacial runoff if i did i would assume it was some form of algae um but i don't it know could be I'll something to do with that the, the pressure yeah, releasing that I'd, I'd say normally as water melts it doesn't generally change color but it you know it could i mean i'm just trying to put my scientific hat on here yeah um yeah it could be the the h2 element coming out but yeah that's an interesting question isn't it it'd be good question ramon that's not what we've been asked before but we'll definitely come back to you <laughs> yeah i love that um yeah good question though dave i know we've um a few other questions i will just bring up um, who was it? I, I think it was Jer Jerome again asked around EBC treks in October, uh, not looking good at the Mo postpone or not. Um, yeah, again, I, I go back to something we just talked about then about obviously the red list and the green list. And, you know, everyone that's kind of booked this year, we, we did send a little update yesterday on all of our trips. Um, you know, if you haven't read that email, do check it out. Just a little update around that because, uh, yeah, a lot of our trips are on are currently on the red list at the moment, typically. Yeah. Um, you know, which which isn't great currently. We're we're kind of uh, you know positive around you know the autumn, but like before, guys, it's it's you know it's a still kind of wait and see uh, jobby at the moment. Um, very much like we've done um, before, um, in terms of you know if you want if you if you're not happy with that uncertainty, which you know I know some people aren't, you can reschedule for free um, with any date change, anything like that at all. Uh, you know we. We want to get you to these places, guys. Um, it's just a matter of time. Like I said, we, we thought we'd be there by now. Uh, you know, we can't wait to, to kind of get out. And we, we've obviously have done it. We've done it locally so far. Um, and we can't wait to uh, wait to run some trips in the UK, especially the training weekends. And obviously, they're going to be fine. Um, it's all the uh, the trips externally. Uh, you know, in, in in places like Nepal and Tanzania. Yeah. But as we know, that can change like that. Um, but in some parts of the world, obviously, it is challenging at the moment. Um, yeah, especially because of uh, what happened in India, which has now gone over to Nepal. But, you know, we're thinking about the autumn, it'll be fine. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see with that. So with regards to you, sorry to uh, go back to your question, Jerome. Um, you know, I know you're probably just sort of talk, thinking out loud a little bit. It is. It comes down to yourself, mate. Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say whether to reschedule or not. Um, you know, you can you can keep it and wait and see and then closer to the time. I know um, I, I saw some comments about other co other companies and 
I think if it's still on the red list, 120 days before you travel, they're not doing those trips. Well, you know, that categorically, we're not doing that. We're, we're kind of, you know, we'd like to leave it closer to the time before we make that decision. But that being said, we'll let you know as soon as we know if we think it's going to be challenging and yeah. not able to go ahead, mate. Um, and that goes for everyone because I know a lot of people on here have got trips booked in. You know, you're excited to go. You, you want to get out there. I I know. I know how you feel. Um, yeah. You know, I, I understand the frustrations, but we'll we'll obviously get on these trips as soon as we're allowed, um, and as soon as they go onto onto, onto the green list, <laughs> exactly. Uh, which is, which means you know, obviously from a UK perspective, and I know we got people on here that you know are not just in the UK, um, but yeah, obviously it, as a UK company, it's difficult for us to run any trips that where ninety percent of our customers can't go um, on these trips. So yeah, we'll definitely be looking at that. I think something we've we've also talked about is we're, we're trying to maybe, because of the restrictions, now we, we don't want to get away too far from what we do, which is high altitude, but, you know, it's all about training. So we might be able to get some more different types of trips in the UK. Um, you know, again, we'll, we'll, we'll liaise with, um, you know, some of our teams, some of our suppliers that are in the UK, that we can create some of those uh, trips in the UK so you don't have to travel too far. Yeah. And it's still great. Um, yeah, so anything like that, we'll, we'll definitely give you guys a nudge. Awesome. Um, but, but yeah, guys, just to say as well, any questions, do drop them in because I know we've got a few left, but um, obviously we are here to answer some questions as well. So any questions around the trip, anything at all, do fire them in. Yeah. So I noticed uh, Deirdre McDonald, a question about payments. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not 100% clear on, but I think you said you wanted to make a payment on the 14th. But yeah, anything like that, just drop us an email, info at evertrek.co.uk, and I can I can sort that, we can sort that out for you like really easily. Um, but yeah, but just drop us an email about the payments. We can sort that out. Um, and yeah, Warren Day has asked, how much filtered water can we get from you guys per day? Is there a limit? Uh, yeah, how much you can drink? So you get as much as you need. So there's no limit yeah. on the amount of water that we can provide. Um, generally speaking, you know, we we advise that you know, some people say three to four, four to five. If you're in that ballpark, you know, I would say a minimum of three liters a day and then upwards from there, depending on how much you sweat, how hot it is, that type of yeah. thing. Um, but you'll generally, you'll get water in the mornings when you set off, you'll get water at lunch and then you'll get water at the um, the end of the trek as well when you arrive at the next lodge. So there's yeah. plenty of opportunity, you, you know, to get as much water and stuff like that as you need. Um, yeah, so I guarantee you two things you won't be sure of, and that's water and food. Um, so, yeah, we'll provide you with plenty of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, <clears throat> we don't be thinking when you get to the end of the four litres and you're still thirsty, you'll be like, no, no, you've had your, you've had yours. <laughs> no, no, yeah. honestly, Warren, you, yeah, mate, you, you, when it comes to that kind of thing, yeah, you have what you want. Um, you know, you need it. You need it. It's, uh, yeah, we wouldn't want to stop you from from getting any any water. Um, but yeah, you know, a valid question uh, around that. Uh, yeah, there's not like a certain quota or anything. You you know, if you need water, mate, you you have it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, David. What what questions are next, mate? I know we've we've had um, a few coming just then. This um, Leah has asked, where do you get the replacement filters for the Evertrack yeah. water bottles? Um, so the company that manufactures okay. them is called Water to Go. Um, so you can get the replacement filters from those guys. Um, I'm not sure how many liters of water they do, but there's quite a lot. So more than a more than a few treks worth of um, a filterage out of those. And then yeah, water to go. You'll get the replacements. Um, and I saw another comment as well. Surely I'm not old enough to remember Led Zeppelin. Well. Um, Yes, I am, but also mainly I listen to Led Zeppelin because when I was growing up, that's the music that my dad would listen to. Um, and I've gone full circle now. Um, and now, yeah, uh, 
you know, regardless of what music was sort of around when I was a kid, it yeah. was whatever my dad was playing. So Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, a lot of the seventies uh, rock and stuff like that. So yeah, that's 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 where this comes from. This might even be my old man's T-shirt. I think I might have nabbed it off him. <laughs> <laughs> nice, <laughs> very good. Um, how many bottles? Yeah, Suzette, uh, I'll I'll bring in your question. How many bottles will we carry? Um, so in terms of bottles, yeah, I mean you obviously can carry your own water bottles, but what we what we generally do is have. Um, you know, like the porters and guides will, will kind of know the process but essentially um, you know if you say you had one water bottle and you know after say breakfast everyone leaves them on the side um, you know it's good sometimes to have your name on it or you know at least if it's similar to someone else's you know make it a little bit different you know put put maybe a little band around it or something um, and then they, what they'll do is the guys will come and collect it and then they'll go out back they'll use um, like this big they have a bucket where it has a pipe coming off it and then on that pipe then is the filter and then that water, they'll, they'll put it in the bucket and it'll filter down into the bottles. And then after your breakfast, like magic, um, those water bottles which you left will now be filled with water. Um, yeah. So don't think that you have to carry those all like you know with you. Um, and as well as those water bottles, um, and something we always um, recommend as well, is having uh, basically like a little reservoir. So it's they call it like a platypus that goes in your bag. So you can also have like a liter, two liters or something if you want to carry it that goes inside that you can just, as you go, you can sip. Um, the kind of the pipe comes out and then you can sip that as you go. Um, we always like to, to sort of say, looky, looky, sippy, sippy. Um, you know, if you stop to look around, take a sip. Um, so, yeah, you can see essentially you've got then where your bottle and you've got your hydration pack, which is like the reservoir. Um, and then every time you stop um, that, we can repeat that process when people need water. Um, as well as if you're stopping to have tea or coffee, because that, you know, that, that helps as well. If you're having a couple of uh, cups of tea, um, you know, that'll help. Yeah, or if you want to, um, something Dave does is have these little, um, what is it, Dave, those squirty squash things you use, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I really struggle to drink, like, the amount of water that I'm required to if it's just plain water. Some people can do it. I really, really struggle with it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I use the little Robinson's um, little, like, squash bottles like that, the highly concentrated, like, squash. Get a couple of them, a couple of different flavors. Yeah. I also perhaps bring some Barocca's um you know some hydration stuff you know like little hydration tablets you can get when you're doing an event and stuff like that like a, a half marathon bring some of those as well um i've just um thought of something off the top of my head using my superior memory um <laughs> that if you have like a 50 uh, centiliter filter um for our bottles um i'm not reading it i promise i'm just <laughs> <it there>. um, <laughs> yeah actually fee who's on the phones for us today has fed me this information um that's about 130 liters about two months if you get the yeah. 75 centiliter filter um that's you know roughly 200 liters or the equivalent to sort of three full bottles a day for three months yeah um, nice. so yeah they can last a while and and it's one of those things that I, I don't tend to use the filter all the time. So I'll use the bottle, but I'll take the yeah. filter off. And then when I go on a hike or a trip or something, I put the filter back on. Um, so it, it, it will, you know, it will tend to last like quite a while. Um, but yeah. So one question actually as well now from Lyndon, how do you go about getting a visa for Tanzania? How long before the trip do you advise applying? So we did the whole process sort of online. Um, for Tanzania, it took about a week, um, but I would probably get it about a month before you're due to travel, um, you know, to give yourself plenty of time and stuff like yeah. that um, to do it. It's also definitely worth getting the visa beforehand when you go to Tanzania or Nepal or any of the destinations, really, because 
when you arrive in these destinations, generally speaking, it's going to be a full plane full, possibly two or three planes, all yeah. funneled in, and if you're in Tanzania, to a small room where the queuing process is quite cryptic. Um, so you're not entirely sure which queue you're supposed to be in at any one time. Um, it's boiling hot, you're tired, and if you already have your visa, you just go straight to the end, walk straight through, and it's super easy. Same goes for Nepal, um, although the room is slightly bigger and the process is a little more straightforward. Yeah, it's a little more streamlined, isn't it? But I think, David, you make a good point there, <clears throat> and especially as as travel starts up again, um, getting it done beforehand will speed up the process hundred percent. I think that's yeah. that's what we recommend. Um, you know, because uh, and I think maybe some of the criteria with certain countries, it might change that you might have to do that anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I suppose one thing to think about as well, you don't want to get it too early, because um, you know, obviously, depending on when you go in, uh, Linden. Um, you don't want to leave it, you don't want to get it too far before you go because you've got to use it. I forgot the amount, I think it's three or six months um, that before you travel. So for instance, if you get it three months then you, then you don't actually go for six months, that visa you, you you actually got actually expired. So you have to do it again. So yeah, just um, do kind of wait until, okay, I know my flights are booked. I know I'm going to go on that trip. Now I'll do the process for the visa. Um, just so you don't waste your money. I know it's not like massively expensive, yeah. um, but still it's an expense. Um, you know, you're, you're talking, uh, I think it's uh, 40 pounds, about 50 US dollars, I think, um, for the uh, for the Tanzania visa. Dave, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, I know it's been a while since I've got one, but the um, yeah, uh, it's roughly around that in terms of cost. Uh, good yeah. question, though. I like that. Exactly. I got two things I want to double check first. So what Jerome just said, Tanzanian security was super picky and strict. I'll be honest with you, Jerome, I had the opposite. So when I came to pay, I handed over my bank card quite naively because I forgot yeah. to get cash. Didn't have cash. So they don't accept their own currency. So they actually let me leave the airport without a visa through security outside to the cash machine come back the wrong way through security <laughs> and then change my money and do it um but then once they process the document they were pretty strict to be fair and secondly yeah. leah has said she always has a tick kit um brilliant idea particularly if you're in going to like, you the Lowlands wow. and the yeah exactly but what i'm curious of is she also has a snake kit and i'm wondering what's in a snake kit because i don't imagine there's a great deal you can do once a snake has bit you I mean, what you do is it is that just like a stick that you like whack it with or something? You know, like comes out yeah, remember like the Simpsons <laughs> episode where they have that snake hitting day. You know, is is it like what you do? Like, I mean, I imagine if you get bit by a snake in Australia, you just kind of lie down and accept your fate, right? Or like run back and try and get some anti venom <clears throat> as quick as you can. Good question. We only have um, adders. We only have adders in the UK, don't we? Which are like apparently you're getting bit by one of them is. Um, it's like getting stung by a bee or something like that. It's, it's, yeah, you can, can have, have a reaction, but it's unlikely. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alan is on here. Alan Smith. Alan, great to see you on. Are, all, are the Trexon 22 getting a bit overfilled because of rescheduling? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's one of the challenges we face, mate. It's uh, uh, certainly we've had to open up more capacity uh, because naturally, as you can imagine, you have got all those people, all the people who want to go, um, uh, you know, on on certain trips. Yeah. So what we've what we've tried to do is run on some dates um uh, so depending on where you go in there alan um, we've run two concurrent trips so say you go in on like saturday the 20th of a month um there'll be two groups going on the same day with, with their own guide with their own group but they'll be trekking at the same time so that's something we've done we've also opened some midweek dates um just to kind of stretch it out and uh, we know people you know if obviously if you if you work for yourself or if you um yeah you know you, you have a certain amount of annual leave 
you want to maximize that leave. So, you know, obviously going in the, in the week, you know, Wednesday to like Wednesday in a couple of weeks, so depending on how many days you're using, I think it's relatively the same. That's why we, we decided to do it. Um, but yeah, it's certainly going to be challenging. I think 22 is certainly going to be a busy year. Um, you know, there's no getting around that. But in, and if if maybe you want it, um, you know, want something a bit quieter, we can we can look at the quieter routes. Maybe even pushing it to 2023 if you want it to be a little bit quiet, or maybe the edges of the seasons. You know, depending on when you want to go. But yeah, yeah, certainly, Dave. I think we've noticed that, haven't we? Obviously, we've we've got a lot of new ever trackers, but we've also got yep. a lot of listeners who want to go on some trips again. And uh, yeah, it's been one of the challenges because of COVID for sure. Yeah, I think the first year after COVID, all every destination. Not just yeah. adventure travel is going to look a little is going to look a little bit different compared to what would be considered normal um, because yeah. yes there are going to probably be more people than you'd expect but we're managing that by not swelling the groups um, you know to like twenty thirty per group um, we're very fortunate that we have the team over there to be able to run multiple trips um, you know we just by the nature of the way we do it we tend to attract a lot of guides that want to work for us so we kind of have our pick of the best guides. Um, so we can run multiple trips simultaneously with smaller groups and stuff like that. Um, not just a snake, snake kit is a bar of chocolate, your last cigarette and a hip flask. That's awesome. If that's the case, wow. I pretty much carry a snake kit with me in the UK everywhere I go. <laughs> and um, what? You think that was water? <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, awesome. So another question we have here from uh, Wayne. Uh, going on the EBC Three Peaks, uh, Three Passes trip, will I benefit from one of your training weekends or will a specific winter training weekend be more beneficial? Uh, to be honest, I think that uh, with the Three Passes trip, you're not necessarily going to be doing anything technical. There's no peak climbing. You are going over yeah. some high passes. So if there is some snow, the guides will provide you with some of the um, universally fitting crampons. Quite often, they're like chains and stuff that go around a normal hiking boot. Yeah. Um, ha having said that, I think our training weekends, the ones that we run in Brecon, are beneficial for everybody, no matter what trip you go on. Um, because they do turn you into like a sort of an expert before you arrive. So it's almost like a live like this that lasts three days, yeah. Friday through to Sunday. Um, so you may never tune in for another one again, but, um, <laughs> but you will enjoy you will enjoy it. And I think uh, most people that have been on there have said that it's really beneficial because yeah. we get to spend a lot of time together talking over every aspect of the trip in unique detail. And, you know, also we'll pack a kit bag. Um, so 100% of everything you need to go on the three passes trip. If it ain't in the bag, I ain't brought it. I, I pack it seriously as if I'm going on there. And then I let everyone just, go through the bag and check it all out so um yeah and, and it, actual fact is one of my uh items today is uh speaking to the accommodation and things like that i've been um i've been brecon to uh yeah <laughs> line up a few of those also as well um i mean you know especially around the uh the three peaks um obviously you've got april next year you know the, the weather's gonna be pretty decent you're unlikely i say unlikely because you never know um to get like um in terms of winter uh, mountaineering conditions um it's very rare i mean you know that being said you know we've have have we had have had get that right um people who are and ever trekkers who have gone over some of the passes and you know they needed uh, either some ice spikes or some crampons and, and the guides sort that out locally um if if the conditions allow so you don't need to take them with you but as dave said any time that you're spending out in the mountains hiking or you know even if you do uh, if you get the chance i mean you go in in april I know that we're going to be doing um, certainly next winter. I mean, 
We wanted to run them this winter, but because of the lockdowns in the UK, we couldn't. But certainly next winter, we'll be doing some winter skills up in North Wales and Scotland, um, you know, with our good uh, our good friend Steve at Aim Higher. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely going to be an opportunity for you to do that. But I wouldn't say it's a necessity for you. Uh, you know, I don't think like you have to, um, you know, do that before you go. But it's, it's not going to hurt. And yeah. who knows, it might inspire you to want to, after doing EBC, you might want to go and try a 6,000 metre peak or, um, you know, try Toop Callum Winter or something different, you know. Um, I know for me, as soon as I stepped on, like, I love the snow. I love winter conditions. I love the challenge of it. And, you know, as soon as there's snow, like, I'm out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing it. So, yeah, I, I you know, you could, could fall in love with the, the, the winter conditions, mate, and you're in trouble then. Yeah. <laughs> um, brilliant. Good question, though. Yeah, uh, just Andrew. Yeah, we are talking about the three passes, but our trip is the three peaks, three passes. Yeah, because um, we also take in the viewpoints of like Gokyo Ri, Kalapatar, yeah. and um, Nangasa, which is like the three, the three peaks that are not the passes. So yeah. it's because our trip's a little bit different. But three p, three p. If you want to uh, summarize, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good yeah. Uh, Kia Huli said, uh, super excited for Kilimanjaro, but quite worried about the training. Um, I'm round and old. Any tips? Um, yeah, makes no difference how old you are um, or necessarily how round you are. Kilimanjaro is, yeah, it is tough. So you want to do some, you want to do some training. Um, you know, I always say train as much as you can. You don't have to train to any specific level to be able to do it because I've seen yeah. super fit people fail and I've seen super round people make it up there and down with you know yes. relative ease. So what it's about is getting out regularly, putting some strength and endurance in your legs. Um, also, perhaps lifting some weights just to get your back strong because you are going to be carrying a pack for a, um, you know eight yeah. days solid. So it's all the normal stuff. It's nothing too scientific. It's about cardio. It's about strength and endurance. Um, and if I was going to concentrate on any one of them, I would say hiking is the best you can do. Um, hiking and cycling pretty much is all the training I do these days. Well, actually, to be honest, I, I don't do any of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, but hiking, hiking is good. Um, cycling is good. But um, also don't forget, you know, that it's about your determination as well. Yeah. The determination factor is is equal to the fitness, if if not more so, um, because where your fitness can let you down, um, your mind and you know the drive to actually go can can compensate for. So most people that I see turn around on things like Kilimanjaro. It's it's not so much a failure of the body. It, it, like people always think that altitude perhaps will be the number one reason for turning around. Yeah. At least on our route, the Lamosho route, I think altitude is less of a factor, um, and it's more about you know being tough and and having the endurance and the, and the, and the mindset for to have an adventure and accept, you know, it's going to suck some days and it's going to be hard some days, but then it's going to be great some days and it's going to be awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly, Dave. And I think you, again, you hit on some good points there around, you know, obviously fitness is important. The more you do care, the more you'll enjoy it, mate. And, um, you know, it's going to be hard regardless. Uh, and if, if you're okay with that and if you're all right with the challenge, then, you know, um, you're, you're in the right place and, you know, if, if we'd love to help you on your journey, um, you know, doing it. And yeah, Dave said that, just get out, just do some hiking. Um, you don't need to be Superman or even Captain Planet, as Dave said. Um, you know, you can you can get out there and, and just hike with a pack on your back, build up the leg strength. You know, try not to go at it with too much anxiety. Um, you know, it's I'd say Killy is all about summit night. Um, the other kind of six days before you get to, um, you know, the, almost before summit night, um, it's relatively easy. Uh, summit night's not, you know, can't get around that. Uh, hiking through the night, you know, near enough 6,000 metres, it's tough. 
Um, but you know, if you do it and you push yourself and you know, you, you want that challenge, you'll have something to remember the rest of your life. Um, and I, I heard someone talk about, um, something when someone says, you know, when someone says, Oh, that's impossible. Or, you know, really what they're saying is, you know, it's impossible for them. Um, what's achievable for you is, is whatever you want to achieve. Um, and if you want to get a uh, Killy, you'll get to Killy, no doubt. Yep. It seems like um, Rebecca Butterflies and Bees has joined the um, the Peak District group. I think that's um, the clan that, uh, was it Ramona, Jerome, Rebecca, uh, Butterflies and Bees. You've got bad knees as well, have you, Rebecca? Have you, have you, uh, send me the advice. <laughs> like how, how are you coping with this? Um, but yeah, no, that's great to see you guys getting out there regularly. I'm always seeing it on uh, Facebook and stuff like that. That's awesome. And exactly, you know, a- a- actually their group is sort of a, a fine example to follow on about what yes. you should be doing, you know, getting out, having fun, enjoying it, you know, making everything you do enjoyable. And that's what Kilimanjaro is like. It's a little bit harder. It's a little bit tougher. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the sense of enjoyment should be the same. Yeah, nice. Um, Joel's actually asked, Joel, serious question. What's going on? <laughs> uh, no, great, great question, Joel. Uh, do you have a maximum number uh, to EBC? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we don't like to, to have a group's too big. I mean, sometimes we get private groups that might be sort of 15, 16, 17 people. Um, unless there's like, because sometimes we, we like to keep it roughly around 12. But we get some people who are like, can, you know, can I, my friend wants to come, can we squeeze you in? Ideally, that's what we, we like to aim for. Um, you know, because we don't want to have a group of, say, you know, 30 people on the mountain. It's just, it just doesn't work as well. Um, you know, I think the chances of success then, because the bigger the team, tend they don't tend to work as well. A smaller team works closer and works better, um, which is why we've always kept that. Um, but that's, again, I, I go back to, um, I might have said it to, to someone's question. Sorry, I can't remember who asked it. But around, you know, dates and, and trying to make more capacity out there so we can actually get some of the groups a bit smaller um but again with covid we, we don't want to stop anyone from from coming with us especially because we've had such a long time without that we you know if someone wants to jump on a date you know even if you've got 12 people on it 13 14 people on it we're going to bring them because we don't we'd rather that and um you know make something happen for them um you know because you're still you're all gonna have an awesome time um but you know that that's kind of where we're at we're trying to be as we're trying to remain as flexible as we can you know with with some of these things instead of just drawing a line saying no you're not allowed like we, we we're trying to be a little a little bit more flexible than that um yeah. you know because we want to make it happen um and sometimes we've got to sort of think a little bit like that so yeah but joel um can't wait to have you mate have you with us yeah awesome nice dave right what we got we got any more questions i know we're coming towards the end um i think uh, we may of... have mopped everything up now um i can't see any that i've missed but i'm not entirely not entirely i think that's it <laughs> <laughs> sorry i just read in a couple of things uh, just as, as i go through um a lot of convo going on which is always great uh no worries joel uh care as well yeah he's replied uh he yeah Kier. um north wales ah mate love it up there Glamping pods sounds very nice. Yeah, I, I did see because um, uh, I was up in North Wales on Friday and Saturday, and driving around you, know, you could see some places have, have opened them up. Great idea, great idea. I think yeah. um, especially over the next couple of years, uh, I think more people are into hiking, walking, trekking, um, you know, climbing nowadays than, than ever. Uh, especially because that's all we could do during lockdown. So naturally, that's going to have a knock-on effect. Yeah. So yeah, get get up there, mate. Um, yeah, wish you all the best and. Yeah, maybe we'll come and drop in, uh, but come on one of our training weekends. Yeah, we'd love to have you with us. Awesome. 
Right, Dave. Um, we'll, we'll kind of taper this off now. I think we've um, uh, we've we've kind of gone through most of the questions. I mean, obviously, it's been great. We started off talking about um, you know water, how we can save water, how important water is on our trips, some of the things we can do to maybe help out, you know, by using water bottles, um, you know, reusable ones. Um, but is there any any final thoughts, Dave, before we, we finish this week? Um, yeah. So. Don't shower for the next week because it is conserve water week. Um, or if you do shower, shower with a friend or use your own wee. So I think that we've covered off the most important factors. Yeah, but um, but no, honestly, yeah, no, it, it's just something to, you know, that we want to be conscious of when we're going trekking. And again, it's not about being perfect. It's just about striving, you know, to, to do your bit. Um, but also, yeah, um, another great one. Um, oh, wow. Apparently I failed to mention uh, Mandel Bhutan. So um Oh damn! I just did. So yeah, uh, no, yeah. My favorite boots are Mandel Bhutan's at the moment with the uh, Superfeet Trailblazer insole. Um, yeah, that's that's about it. Um, thirty liter jacket is thirty liter rucksack is about fine. Osprey Talon's a good one. Jubilos for sunglasses. Don't forget your sunscreen. That's okay. That's, that's usually every Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, brilliant. Um, yeah, do do um, just before we go as well. Do look out for some more info uh, around strides for guides. Uh, it'd be great to have. Some of you are already out hiking a lot. It'd be great if you can get involved. Um, you know, we're looking for as many people as possible to get involved in this. Um, so we're obviously, um, you know, follow up and, you know, do some posts and, uh, you know, we'll talk a bit a uh, bit more as we get towards it. But that's starting in June. So, yeah, um, definitely strides for guides. Do look yeah. out for more info. Um, and other than that, we'll, yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday. Awesome. Have a good one. See ya. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes, try to reach as many people as possible. And if it's helped you, leave us a lovely review. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again next week. Yeah, all the best, guys. Bye. I'm going to go